And the first reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which you'll find on page 1155. This whole chapter is um, Paul dealing with, there's a, there's a number of problems in the church in Corinth. Um, if you want to know that there is no perfect church, just read, just read 1 Corinthians. Uh, because it's got problems within the, its community that Paul and his love wants to sort out. And one of these questions is all about the resurrection of Jesus. So we're going to read God's word, first of all, from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, picking up his discussion at verse 12. And the the translators have given this title, The Resurrection of the Dead. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And then if you would go to verse 35, the resurrection body. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed perhaps of wheat or of something else. But if God gives it a body, but God gives it a body as he is determined, and to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men of one kind of flesh, animals have another. Birds and another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. And star differs from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a life, a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. As with the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, 
so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. I declare to you, brothers, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And then if you would turn back to Luke chapter 24, page 1062. Just one reason, reading of Jesus after his resurrection. Page 1062, Luke chapter 24, beginning to read at verse 36, Jesus appears to his disciples. While they were still talking about this, Jesus stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Amen. This is God's word to our hearts today. So last week, just took the theme of the the end of the the story of the Bible and new creation, the last two chapters of our Bibles. Genesis 1, the Bible begins in a creation, it ends in a new creation, a new earth. And I, I made the point that that is what we are made for. That is the theme of the scripture is that God would come back into his world and that our future is an earthly existence. So I just want to carry on clarifying that a bit more by what talking about resurrection bodies, what will be what will they be like? At Easter we celebrate 
Resurrection Day and we unite with Christians all over the world in celebrating the resurrection from Jesus from death. We may be divided about many things. We may be divided about when Jesus was born. We may be divided on some aspects of theology, on baptism. We may be divided on how church structure, how authority works within the church. But all Christians are agreed on this thing. They all celebrate together the day that Jesus rose again from the death, from dead. And Jesus' resurrection was not simply a coming back from death. Lazarus had come back from the dead. The son of the widow of Nain had been brought back to life by Jesus when he met that funeral uh, cortege as he was passing through that town. Jairus' daughter was brought back to life. But even though Jesus brought them back to life again, their bodies were still subject to aging and eventually they died just like all human beings die. But Jesus' resurrection was utterly, utterly different because Jesus came back with a resurrected body, a body no longer subject to aging or weakness or death. And his resurrection body represents a new kind of of human life for us. And so we read in 1 Corinthians 15, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So if you're a, a fig farmer <coughs> in the ancient world, and your fig trees, the first figs come, and you, you, you pick them and you taste them, and they're delicious, you know the rest of your crop is going to be great. The first fruit of your crop is a sign of how good the quality of the rest of your crop will be. So Paul takes this imagery from farming life, from, from crops, the, the first fruit analogy, and says that Jesus' resurrection is like the first fruits of a crop. His resurrection is a sign and a foretaste of what our resurrection will be like. So I'm asking the question this morning, what are the implications of Christ's resurrection as the first fruits for our resurrection as well? And the first point is quite simple. It's, it, 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 it's almost too simple to make it a point. It doesn't sound that profound, but it's just the fact that it, it's about bodies. It's about hands and eyes and who you are. So we read from 1 Corinthians 15. If it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. The Corinthians are denying the resurrection, but they're not, they're not denying life after death. They're not denying life after death. Virtually everybody in the ancient world believes in life after death. But you don't need a resurrection body to believe in life after death. You only need a resurrection if the life after death is to be bodily. What the Corinthians are disputing here in 1 Corinthians 15 is the Jewish and Christian doctrine of bodily resurrection. Instead, they have been um, captivated by the Greek thinking out there in their ancient world that the afterlife is a kind of a spiritual thing. 
a disembodied immortality, um, an angel-like or spirit-like. And as I said last week, this kind of Greek thinking arose 400 years earlier uh, from this time in the writings of Plato and Socrates. So 1997, Time magazine stated that of all the Americans who believe in a resurrection of the dead, so they asked a lot of Americans, do you believe in the resurrection of the dead? Of all that said they did, two-thirds of them said that they did not believe they would have bodies with the resurrection. So they said they believe in the resurrection of the dead, but two-thirds of them said, I actually don't believe we'll have bodies in the resurrection of the dead. But that is self-contradictory. A non-physical resurrection isn't a resurrection. It's life after death. But a resurrection has to be bodily. It's a bit like a sunless sunrise. A sunrise needs the sun to give it a sunrise. A resurrection needs a body to be resurrected. If we don't have bodies, we don't need to be resurrected. Our spiritual part of us or whatever your consciousness whatever makes the you you within inside you could could live on god could could live that but uh, a spirit part of us but if there's a resurrection it implies the body that we have when you start hearing this you start realizing how much this platonic view is around us in our world today particularly outside the church so for example and you, maybe you know someone like this. Someone wants their ashes scattered in a particular place so that their presence or their spirit, their consciousness, the part of them that makes them who they are will continue to exist in that place. And often family members might find a place of comfort of going where those ashes are scattered, that favorite place, that mountain or that river or wherever they used to be, and they feel close to them. Um, there's two things there. We are not immortal. Only God is immortal. There's no divinity in us. So you can only be immortal because God grants you immortality because he's immortal. And so while out there in the world, the, 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 kind of the, the new age thinking of the day, there is this kind of view that while our bodies may die, our presence may extend beyond death. Um, where do the facts, where do these things come from? It's actually from Greek thinking. Here is this ancient idea of the immortality of the soul that will exist after our physical bodies have died. But the astounding message of Christians was that your bodies would be resurrected for eternity. So Jesus comes in Luke 24 and he says to the disciples, I'm not a ghost. I'm not a spirit. Touch me. I'm a physical person here. Um, and he asks for some fish uh, so that he can eat. So we read the Apostles' Creed at the beginning of the service. And we come to this last statement, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body. Because those who affirmed that statement in the ancient world, it was an astounding claim in a world that did not believe that the body was worth saving. People wanted to escape from this this, this bodily existence uh, and so therefore the, the Greek and the Roman view uh, and the ancient mystery religions all was it that your spirits ascend to this wonderful place and here were these Christians saying that through Jesus' resurrection we will be bodily resurrected as well that we believe in the resurrection 
of the body. We don't just believe in life after death, some kind of spiritual existence. We believe in a bodily resurrection, bodily resurrected life after death that incorporates our spiritual life as well. And yet countless Christians today think that they will be spirit-like in eternity. And so of all those Americans in 1997 who believed in the resurrection of the dead, two-thirds denied that it would be a bodily resurrected, a resurrection. But 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that because Jesus is resurrected from the dead physically, he is the first fruits of those who will follow him. Notice in verse 13, Paul does not say, if there is no heaven, the Christian life is futile. He says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then the hope of Christianity is illusion, because the, 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 the hope was for life on a new earth. And what do you need for life on a new earth, but a new type of body to live there forever? In fact, the doctrine of the resurrection of the body makes no sense if there is not a new earth for which we as new bodies, resurrected bodies, can live on. So the two belong together. The doctrine of the the, the new heaven and the new earth that we thought about last week and the the new body, the resurrected body that will live on that earth uh, this week that we're thinking about. This new form of existence, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, does not come until Christ returns at this present, uh, to the end of this present earthly life, till his his second coming. And so he he talks about in verse 52 that it happens in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. The the imagery of the last trumpet is, you know, when kings would would arrive at a place, the trumpets would sound. And so if if Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the the, the imagery is is the the trumpets go along with uh, expressing what kind of king is arriving. But Paul makes the point here that we will not all sleep in verse 51, but we will all be changed. Because when Jesus comes back, there will some, be some people who are still alive. So they have their bodies. So they don't need new bodies, totally new, uh, but they need a body that will be suited for the new earth. And so everyone will be changed, but to those who are still alive, their bodies will be changed a bit. But to those who have died and been buried, they will be given new bodies that reflect the bodies that they had before, but they will be given new bodies for the new earth. Paul also kind of says the same things in 1 Thessalonians 4. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, And with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. I'll come back to that line again later, but caught up with Jesus as he appears Uh, But is he taking us away from the earth or is he coming back to claim the world for his own? And I will argue that we are meeting Jesus as he's coming back into this world to accompany him as to claim this Lord, this, this this world for himself. 
But the point today is that those who have died are given new bodies because their previous earthly bodies have decayed in the ground, but those who are still alive when Christ will return still have bodies. So all that needs is a little changing to make mortal bodies to be eternal bodies in the new heavens and the new earth that will last for eternity. And Paul says that this transformation will happen as quickly as the blinking of an eye. So this is our Christian hope. It's about bodies, and it sounds quite simple, but it's a, we believe in a resurrected body for the new earth. The second point is that it is similar bodies to the kind of person that you are now. And we see this from Christ's resurrection. This is the same body that dies on the cross that appears to the disciples after his resurrection. If resurrection was the creation of a whole new body, then Christ's earthly body could have just remained in the tomb, and the tomb could forever have been closed, and he could have come back with a new resurrected body uh, as the first fruits. But the tomb is empty, and he's gone. And that is a sign that the, 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 the Jesus who died on the cross is the same Jesus who came back with the spiritual resurrected body after his resurrection. When Jesus says to his disciples, it is I myself, he's emphasizing that it's the same person that you knew who died on the cross in spirit and body. His disciples saw the evidence of the crucifixion in his hands and his side. Unmistakable evidence that the resurrection person that they were meeting is the same person who died on the cross uh, three or more days earlier. And Jesus had said many things about this continuity earlier. So John chapter 2 verse 19. Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days. But the temple he has spoken of was his body. Destroy my body, Jesus saying. Crucify me, you can kill me. But I will, I will raise my body again three days later. The body that rose was the same body that was crucified on the cross. The Westminster Larger Catechism, 1647, of which I signed when I became your minister here, says the self-same bodies of the dead, which were laid in the grave, being then united to their souls forever, shall be raised up by the power of Christ. The self-same bodies. The person that you are is the person similar to who you will be uh, forever through the resurrection. So it's bodies for a new earth, it's similar bodies, there's continuity between the person you are now, and Jesus' uh, resurrected body gives us some clues in that way. So when Mary meets him in the garden after his resurrection, she calls him sir, she assumes he's a man, she assumes he was the garter. She at first didn't recognize his voice in John 20, but when he calls her by name and says Mary, he recognized her. And it's there that she turns towards him and she says, Rabboni, which means master. So you have to imagine the scene. A modest woman in this ancient culture did not make eye contact with male strangers. And so you can imagine she's not really got to look at him. She sees the tomb is empty. She thinks someone has stolen 
the body of her dear Lord Jesus. And she sees this man in the garden and she thinks he's the gardener. So while he is there, she's not looking at him directly. She says, if you are the gardener, please can you tell me where you have laid him so I can come back and get him? And then she hears a voice saying, Rabboni, or Mary. And she recognizes his voice. Then she turns to him and she says, Master. And she falls at his feet. There's continuity between the person that she met after his resurrection from the person that she knew uh, beforehand. And so there we read from Luke chapter 24. Jesus has to prove to his disciples that they're not seeing a ghost. They're not seeing some kind of uh, spiritual apparition. They are seeing a physical human being who is the same person that they knew for three years as his disciples. So touch me. See my nails, prince. See my side. Give me some fish. And he eats the fish. And the resurrection appearances after, of Jesus after his resurrection are remarkably uh, normal. One morning he stands on the shore and he calls his disciples as they're out fishing. He has started a fire. He's already cooking fish that presumably he has caught himself. He cooks a meal, which means he just didn't snap his fingers and materialize a, a finished meal like he, when he did with the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus is cooking fish and he invites his disciples to come and join him for breakfast. It's remarkably normal. And he eats with them. And it, uh, after his resurrection, he interacts with them normally. He's close enough to breathe on them. But on the other hand... The rooms are locked and suddenly Jesus can appear inside a locked room where his disciples are gathered. His body can be touched and clung to and he can consume food, yet he also can materialize his body through locked doors as well. And so the question is, will our resurrected bodies be like this? If Jesus is the first fruits of our own resurrection, how closely will our own resurrection bodies be like these examples that we see of Jesus' resurrection? It may be that some aspects of Jesus' resurrection are unique because he was the Son of God, he was divine. But the most basic truth about our resurrected bodies is this, that they are the same bodies God created for us now that we are enjoying, that our present body, bodies are working models God has given to guide our imagination about what our new bodies will be like on the new earth. But they will be raised to greater perfection than they have ever, we've ever known before. And so while they may be similar, thirdly, they will also be better. Because they will be suited for eternity. We don't know much, everything about the resurrection body, but we know a great deal. So, in verse 35, in 1 Corinthians 15, but someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he is determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. When you take an ear of wheat, you plant it in the ground, what Paul's saying here, um, what's, what sprouts forth is very different from what you planted, and yet there is continuity between what is put in the ground and what grows. 
If you plant an apple seed in the ground and an orange seed, they look very similar to our naked eye, but two very different kinds of trees will come and fruit that those trees will bear will come from what is planted. There is continuity between what is planted and what grows, but there's also discontinuity. They're very different. When you look at a seed and look at a tree, you wonder, how can that produce that? And yet there is a relationship. And Paul is saying your resurrection body is similar to what you are now, but they will be very different. The question is, how different will they be? Those of you who know a bit about computers, we're often getting upgrades to the programs that we have. And when we get an upgrade, we don't say, I have no idea what this upgrade will be like. Um, Because we've been using the older program, we have a basic idea of whether it's a word, uh, Microsoft Word, or whether it's a picture program. We have a basic idea from using the old program of what the new one will be like. But the upgrade will have the basic features of the old program, but it will have new and exciting developments that we will learn about and we will investigate. So when we receive our resurrection bodies... There will be no doubt some surprises because we're looking into a mist that's that's not particularly clear. But we'll certainly recognize our new bodies as being ours. Many of us look forward to eternity now more than we ever did when our bodies functioned well. And for those who listen to this service by a recording because you are unable to get to church for health reasons, you know this to be true. Remember the story of Johnny Erickson Tada, who, who as an 18-year-old, dived into a shallow pool and broke her neck right at the top. And uh, she, her, her, life is being, her life is made into a film. She's written many books. She's an accomplished painter uh, over years through um, painting with her mouth. But in one of her books, she says, Somewhere in my broken, paralyzed body is the seed of what I shall become. The paralysis makes what I am to become all the more grand. And when you contrast atrophied, useless legs against splendorous, resurrected legs, I'm convinced that if there are mirrors in heaven, and why not, the image I'll see will be unmistakably Jonai, although a much better, brighter Jonai. Inside the people that we are now, even if it's failing, is the blueprint of what we will become when Jesus comes back and and resurrects us or grants us eternal life. Whether you're like Jonah, your body has suffered because of some tragic event, or whether from the day of your birth you've never known good mental or physical health, because of Jesus' resurrection, the Christian's resurrection day at the end of this world is the promise of perfected bodies suited for eternity in God's new world. With those new resurrected bodies, we'll be able to serve and glorify God and enjoy an eternity of wonders that he has prepared for those who love him. Bodies for a new earth, similar bodies, there's continuity between the person you are now, better bodies suited for eternity, and finally, what I've called eternal relationships, quantity with present ones. Will we recognize each other in heaven? That's a question many have wondered. Will the disciples recognize Jesus after his resurrection? 
And Jesus recognized his disciples. He picked up on relationships where they'd left off. When Jesus came back from the dead, he didn't say, now who are you again? There was continuity in Jesus' memory and relationships from the the relationships that he had before his cross. He knew who Peter was and that he had denied him three times. He knew who Thomas was. He knew who Mary was in the garden. So what does this mean for us? I look forward to greeting Christian friends and picking up relationships where they parted. I I imagine conversations beginning. Do you remember when we did this or whatever? Because our ability to recognize each other implies uh, memories of this life that will stay with us. I imagine some of you coming up to me and saying, Stephen, you never knew my father. You never knew my son or my daughter. But I want you to introduce you to them now. This is a new earth, a new creation that we were made for, that fulfills all our senses, but that gives glory to God in every aspect of our lives. There is continuity between this life and our resurrected, but there is radical discontinuity as well, because our bodies here are mortal, and they're subject to aging and death. But a new day is coming when all things will be made new. So I leave you with this verse from 1 Corinthians 1. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, who is Jesus Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. What are those all things? Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. All things. This is not just about our forgiveness, our individual salvation to a holy God. This is God remaking this universe for himself. That it's good news for animals and plants and stars and planets. It's good news for the sky above and the earth below. That Christ's redemption is enough not only to remake us as his image bearers, but to remake every inch of this universe. Mountains, rivers, plants, animals, stars, nebulae, quasars, and galaxies. That Christ's redemptive work extends resurrection to the far reaches of the universe. Because God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. That everything that is good, everything that is good in this creation will rise in him to a glorious new beginning. I believe in the resurrection of the body because Christ indeed has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And I believe that Jesus' resurrection is just not good news for my body and for our earthly existence, but for the whole created order. Why do people not want to live in such a great hope? Why do some of us see that you just want to get something out of this life and pay no thought to the world that is coming? How foolish we are if we live in denial of this good news that has touched our lives in Jesus for all who will accept him, not only as king of our lives, but as king of this whole creation as well.